0: Good morning. My name is Dave Bundrick. I'm one of the executive pastors here on staff. joined the church staff this past December. So um, my title officially is executive pastor of operations. That means uh, my love language is Excel spreadsheets. And so um, things like finances, facilities, things like that. I oversee a lot of those details. So Aaron can focus on his strengths, what he loves to do. So super excited to be, um, be a part of what God's doing here at Trace. A little bit more about me. Um, been married to my awesome wife, Brenda, for 25 years. Yeah, so 25 years. We have a 20-year-old daughter, Kaylee, and she goes to Colorado Christian up in Lakewood. And a 17 year old son, Ryan, and he was at CIY camp last week. I see a lot of students right up here. CIY? Yeah, heard, heard good things about it. It's awesome. So, um, yeah, so that's a little bit about us, um, a little bit more about me. If I'm not working here at the church or at home, uh, there's a good chance you're going to find me on a mountain bike trail somewhere. So, probably as far away from town as I can get, love to mountain bike, and uh, you'll hear more about that here in a little bit. So, Aaron um, asked me if, I'd, if I wanted to preach, and I was like, okay, sure, uh, can I use a spreadsheet? And uh, so, after talking, we're like, yeah, I should probably go with an analogy. So, um, we're, gonna, we're going with an analogy this morning, sorry to disappoint, no awesome spreadsheets with pivot tables and all that stuff, but... Uh, Yeah, somebody out there. Cool. But we're going to be going through John 10, uh, 10, and I'm going to focus on verses 1 through 10. We'll pull in a few others, but we're going to read John 10, 1 through 10 together. So um, here we go. If you've got your Bibles, open those up. Got it on your phone. You can flip that open, or we got it right here. And this is Jesus talking. That's why it's in quotes. There we go. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, Anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate is a thief and robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gate opens for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep and leads them out. When he has brought them out all his own, he goes on ahead of them. And his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand, shocker, did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said it again, very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Let me pray for us. God, thanks so much for today. Um, Just a sweet time of worship this morning led by Abby and the team. And we just thank you. We're grateful for Jesus, that he is the good shepherd. And because of his sacrifice, we we can worship you and we can enter into relationship with you. Pray that right now that you would help me to recall the things you want me to share. And if there's things you don't want me to share, you help me to forget those things and that you would just speak through me. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so Jesus is kind of trying to break it down for the Pharisees, right? And help them understand who he is. The Pharisees were kind of, middle-class businessmen, but were also very influential in the church as well. Um, and so, so they knew a lot, but obviously he's, he's trying to simplify things and, and help them understand who he says he is. So thinking about that, and I'm like, okay, what would, um, you know, and they were a very agrarian society back then. So that meant they grew things, agriculture, right? Raising sheep, shepherds, that's commonplace, makes sense. We don't um, grow things as much anymore. We go to the grocery store, we go to the restaurant. Uh, Here in Colorado, we still grow some stuff, but we don't talk about that so much in church. All right, some of you got that. Thank you. So, um, Yeah. But uh, so I'm thinking, Okay, if Jesus were here today and he were trying to convey the same message about who he is and who we are related to him, how would he maybe talk to us Coloradans here in Colorado Springs? So I think he might would say, hey, I am a really good guide like a really good guide, like the best guide there is. So I'm gonna go with that analogy, all right, of Jesus being a really good guide. So we're gonna tailor this a little bit. So show of hands, who, who mountain bikes or who has been mountain biking? Some, all right, sweet. Um, whitewater rafting, who's been whitewater rafting? Okay, more people have experienced whitewater rafting, so we're gonna go with whitewater rafting analogy. So be awesome. So Jesus is saying, Hey, bro, I'm a really good whitewater rafting guide. Okay, you can trust me. So what, what does a really good guide look like? And maybe we can learn some things about Jesus that way. A really good guide knows their clients. So they know their past experience. You know, you jump on in a boat in a river with a guide before you ever get in the boat, they're going to say, hey, have you rafted before? Right? They want to know. Do you have any experience? So a really good guide is going to know past experience, kind of know where you're at, and then what your potential is, right? So Jesus is the same way. God is the same way. He knows your experience. He knows where you've been, um, what has helped shape you, what's helped get you where you're at, the good things and the bad things that have shaped you. But he also knows your potential in the future as well, what you're capable of. So he knows those things. It's going to really know you. Um, a really good guide knows what's coming. And so they don't put you in over your head, right? You don't, you don't just drop into the middle of the Royal Gorge and class five is the first thing we're hitting. A guide is not going to do that, right? You may start off in Browns Canyon, something like that. We're going to do some twos and threes. We're going to, we're going to test some things out and make sure we're comfortable with each other before we get to fours and fives. So, but a good guide knows what's coming around the bend. This isn't their first time down the river, right? If you get in a boat with a guide and they're like, yeah, we'll see what's going to happen. my first time. Get out of the boat. That's not your guide, okay? So a really good guide knows what's coming. God knows what's coming in your life as well. He knows what's coming. He can prepare you for those things. He's going to protect you from those thieves that are going to steal, kill, and destroy We were whitewater rafting recently. Our guide knew we were coming up on some fours and fives. So we pulled off, beached the boat, and we got out and looked. Okay, the water level changes all the time. Let's look at this set of rapids. Let's pick our route. So the same thing, because capsizing in that rapid is going to steal some of our joy, right? So God knows the same thing. He knows what's coming around the bend, and he knows how to help you navigate those things, those things that would steal your joy. The the ways that the enemy would want to attack you and kill you and destroy you because those are not what God wants for you because he's the ultimate guide. He's going to know those threats and dangers. A really good guide serves his or her clients. We're talking like a really good guide, okay? So think now about you're on an overnighter. So you're on an overnighter and a really good guide is going to um, have your boat all inflated, ready to go for you, when you're when you beach for the night they're going to set up camp they're going to cook the dinner for you they're going to eat last you get up in the morning they've already got bacon grilling i mean you wake up to the smell of bacon it's awesome they break camp they clean up that's a really good guide you know you're with a really good guide then they're they're serving you they're not picking their favorite section of the river or their favorite route to go through whatever they're considering you first and jesus says i'm a really good guide because he says he came to serve not be served and then in chapter 10 it's like seven times jesus says i lay down my life for the sheep so he willingly is sacrificing and we know ultimately he sacrifices unto death right so ultimate guide I haven't met a guide that would die for me. So Jesus is saying, I'm that good of a guide. You can trust me. And that leads us to the next thing. A really good guide earns the trust of their clients, right? They prove they're trustworthy, and they prove that you can trust them when things get tough. This may be a sticking point for for some in in the room today, right? up, Up to this point, you're like, okay, yeah, I'm with you. It's all good. But then when I start talking about you can trust Jesus, maybe life has not gone as you would have hoped up to this point. Maybe there's been some things happen in life. Um, it's been that way for us. So mentioned our daughter. She's 20 now. Um, Ten years ago, we were in Kansas City, and we, we had our, our family had a really difficult time. Um, she was 10 years old at the time. She dropped from 90 pounds to 60 pounds over two months, period. Basically, food could not pass from her stomach to her intestines. And so she spends two months in the children's hospital in Kansas City. And talking about it now, we're, we're 10 years later, so we know the outcome. But back then, when we're in the middle of it, you, we didn't know how that's going to turn out, Right and we're praying church is praying but we don't know how that's going to go out or come out and that was such a sketchy time for us praying but the doctors can't figure it out hospital administrators can't figure it out it's so scary i mean she couldn't keep anything down so for 2 months our daughter's her most comfortable spot was on the floor in the bathroom of her hospital room that's a hard thing to see as a dad. Super scary. And you're like, God, where are you here? What's the deal? I'm I'm trusting you. And this is not panning out right. This is not going how I'd hoped. There was a time, I've got the doctors out in the hall, I've got the hospital administrator, and I'm like, she is dying in front of us. This is not okay. Figure it out. Or tell me where to go to get this figured out and we had that conversation it, it was that dire but we know it ended well right she's 20 now she plays on the volleyball team at colorado christian but at the time that was so scary and you, we we come through that she got back to recovering but it, it rocks your trust it rocks your faith right so don't want to just stand up here and pretend that everything is fine Because it's not always fun and it doesn't always end like it ended for us so i understand that but god sees things in light of eternity right and our time here on earth is is short so he sees things in a much bigger perspective but it takes you know to, to earn that to establish that trust relationship again with god when when things didn't go how you felt they should have gone for you you were entitled i was entitled to something different Sometimes that, that doesn't take weeks, months. It takes years, sometimes decades. But my challenge to you, to us, in that is uh, Winston Churchill is, is attributed with the quote, uh, if you're going through hell, keep going. I would say I like Winston Churchill for sure. I'm going to try to warm up him here, so I might have a tweetable quote for you. If you're going through hell, take a guide that knows the way out. Right? So if you find yourself in a really hard time, don't bail on your guide at that point. That is the wrong time to bail on your guide, to bail on Jesus, to bail on God. That's the time to press in even more and to trust even more. I'm going to go ahead just a little bit in John chapter 16. Now, Aaron's going to be preaching on John 16. So when he gets here and he's preaching on John 16, just act surprised. Oh, we never heard this before. So, John 16, the last verse, 33, Jesus is saying, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So Jesus has conquered those things. Some theologians say when Jesus was dead and buried those three days that he was actually in hell fighting for us because he was carrying all of our sins. But he overcame that, he conquered that, and he came back to life. So Jesus is victorious, and we're victorious through, so, through Jesus. So Jesus is the good guide. He knows the way out of hell. So if you find yourself in a really hard spot in life, that's my encouragement to you is don't bail on God. Press into him. Wrestle with him. Ask him the hard questions. Scream at him. He, he can handle you. Okay, so that's pretty deep. Um, the first service, I may have cried a little bit, but I made it through that without crying. So, But uh, a little bit of comic relief. We're going to get into the, kind of the, the second aspect of what Jesus is talking to. If he's saying, I'm the good shepherd, or in today, today's terminology, I'm a really good guide. And he says, my sheep know me, and they hear my voice. Well, in today's terminology, he's probably saying, uh, you guys are a bunch of tourists. Now, I've probably just insulted everybody in the room. If you're a true Coloradan, you you were insulted by being called a tourist. But Jesus is saying, compared to me, you're you're a bunch of tourists, all right, based on what I know versus what you know. That's when he was calling people sheep back then. Uh, Sheep aren't the brightest animals on the planet. So, but he's saying, they do know me, and I know them, and they know how to listen to me, and they know how to obey me. And so same thing with that. But we're going to take a little comic relief here because um, we're going to try to figure out. We're going to have some pictures and some videos come up. And, we're gonna, and, uh, and this is like crowd participation here. So I'm asking you guys to scream out either your vote. Is the picture that's about to come up, is that a tourist or is it a local? So you get to scream out tourist or local. We're going to have either a picture or video. And we're gonna go through like 12 or 14 of these. So good, good crowd participation here, all right? So Julie, let's pull up our first one. All right, what do we think? Tourist or local? Tourist. Tourist, I, She's wearing blue jeans. I don't think she summited a 14er in blue jeans. So um, probably tourist on that one. All right, next one. I think he's been smoking some of that stuff we grow here in Colorado. That's, yeah, I would say that's a local. He's having a good time. All right. <laughs> you get it? Tourist, tourist. Yep. <laughs> local, I would think local. Wait for it. This after this last move cracks me up. Wait. And he's done. <laughs> all right next one local or tourist Tourist, <laughs> yeah <laughs> spring skiing local or tourist oh that one hurts every time oh back to that one can you can you okay yeah we're good here so yeah i'm pretty sure that's on i-70 going west yeah that's tourist what about this one though local Maybe just as crazy. I don't know. This is painful right here. Yeah. Tourist, yeah. Not doing the edges any favors on that. That's how a local crosses the street right there. (laughs) Anybody seen this? In real life, have you seen this? <laughs> Locals or tourists? Tourists, yep. Yeah, pretty obvious. That guy's committed, man. He's flipped his beetle, his bug, but he's he's still gonna shred this, the the So that's I think that's a local. I don't know. This is a buddy a buddy of mine was mountain biking last week. This is on Old Stage Road last week, and he sent me this picture, and I was like Are those texas plates he's like yes i was like oh man come on texas better than that oh so yeah someone from texas couldn't handle old stage road all right last one this is a favorite my favorite wait for it (laughs) probably from texas Everybody else is following the line, but I guarantee that guy taking a beeline straight down the, the run was having the best time, right? Instead of following everybody else's tracks up until the crash, which is most of my experiences, having a great time up until the crash. So the point of that is, well, I needed a little humor, comedic relief, but also sometimes it's hard to know, like, who's, who are the tourists? Who are the locals, right? Like in that last one, I, I'm not sure. But Jesus is saying, compared to me and what I know, you're a bunch of tourists. So why don't you listen to me and let me help you navigate this thing? And he's saying, if if you'll trust me, then I can take you to some incredible spots, some powder stashes, some secret trails you would never find on your own. But if it helps you, if I've offended you by calling you a tourist, just think of yourself as like going to Switzerland or something and and pick pick whatever activity you want to do. Like you've saved up for years for this bucket list trip, right? So you're going to go over there and you want the best experience possible. So we're talking about how do we get to the point, how do we get to know our guide, right? Right. So Jesus in this analogy is our guide. How do we get to know him? How do we get to that point where he would say of us, "Yeah, Dave knows me. He knows how to hear me." And where I could say, "Yeah, I know Jesus. I can I listen to him and obey him." So how do you get to that point? Well, if in our analogy, if you're going to hire a guide, let's say you're you're spending like $10,000 on this trip, right? Big-time deal. You're not just going to get off the plane and find the first person at the to be your guide for your epic trip, whatever it is. You're gonna do some research, right? You're gonna go online, you're gonna read about them. You're gonna read their bio, what they say about them, about themselves, all that sort of stuff. Same thing with Jesus, right? If he's gonna be our guide in life, you wanna read about him. So we've got the Bible, it's awesome. You can get these red letter Bibles where anytime something's in red, that's Jesus talking. So you can get to know Jesus by reading, what does he have to say? What does he say about himself? What do others say about Jesus? How does Jesus react in certain situations? How is is he under pressure? How does he react to certain people? And so you get to know Jesus by reading about him, like you would a guide, you'd read about him. You can also check for references, right? You wanna ask for references. You're talking to a guy like, hey, send me some contact info of some people that have gone on some adventures with you. Same thing with Jesus, right? Find some references. Who are some people that you would trust that have been through life, have been through some stuff with Jesus, right? Not just the highs, the mountaintops, the 14ers, but the lows as well. Who, who has been through some stuff with Jesus, has, has that experience, and talk to them about their experience with Jesus, but don't just read about him and talk about him. you got to have a relationship with him. So what does that look like? Like you got to spend time with him. you got to have some experience with Jesus as well. And what I love is that God made all of us differently. And we all connect with, with God in different ways, right? My son is very intellectual. And so he connect, connects with God at a very intellectual level. I'm not so much. I'm more experiential. So for me, I connect with God in the outdoors. So grateful for Colorado, right? And so for me, and it's often on my mountain bike. So I'll share with you a little prayer that I say often at the beginning of a mountain bike ride is, uh, man, God, thanks for today. Thanks for allowing me to live in Colorado and get to ride some incredible trails. Pray that you would keep me safe. Help me know when to get after it, when to ride aggressively and when to back off. And then help me to dial in the ride so I'm not focused on the mechanics of riding, but just help me to get it dialed in so my mind is clear and that you would speak to me during my ride. And I find that often God does. He does. He speaks to me during my rides. That's where I connect with him. One, I'm too busy breathing to talk, so I can listen a little easier there, right? But what is it, what it? where do you connect with God? Is it hiking, is it rafting, is it intellectually? You know, how do you best connect with God? It's gonna be different for each of us. And so what does that look like? And so spend time with him, gain experience with him. Uh, A friend of mine that I ride with quite a bit, he says, man, you gotta be riding at least, well, if you're riding three times a week, you're just maintaining status quo on your skill level. If you wanna get better, you need to be riding five times a week. So similarly, in our spiritual walk, in our relationship with God, you can't just be checking in once a week. Sunday morning, checked in, all right, we're all good, see you next week. You can't be doing that. You can't even be checking in like three times a week. And really, I mean, we don't need any rest days in our relationship with God. We can go to Him seven days a week. And if you want to grow deeper in your relationship with God, you're spending lots of time with him, five, seven days. I don't want to put a number right, but, but you get the point, right? You can't just be checking in once a week, three times a week. So you spend time with him, and you figure out how to, and, and if you don't know, then experiment. Try different things. How do you best connect with God? So, so we learn to listen and hear, hear God. We, we learn about him. And we talk to others about him, but we spend time with him. And then we've got to get to that point because we can have the best guide on the planet, and we do in Jesus, got the best guide. They can give us incredible instruction, but you've got to put in a little bit of work too, right? I mean, you can't show up for your epic trip and be 50 pounds overweight and experience and expect to experience all these awesome things. It's not going to happen, right? So you've got to put in a little bit of work. And you've got to get to a point where you can trust and you can execute on what your guide gives you. So your guide can give you the perfect um, instruction, but if you don't do it, it's, it's pointless, right? And so you got to put in a little bit of work and then you got to do, actually do what your guide tells you to do. And then you've got a great guide. You're going to see and experience things you never thought you could. And it's the same thing in life with Jesus, with God we got to put in our work. We got to be we got to work on listening to God. That's that's putting in our work. And then we've got to also work on being obedient, saying yes and just start with the little things that you're saying yes to. Not big risk things, right? Like, I I don't know whatever it is. It's like buying the meal for the person behind you or buying the coffee for the person behind you at the drive-thru. Maybe it's out in the lobby talking to somebody that's standing all by themselves. Um, Just saying yes to little things. And then you're gaining in that trust. Like, okay, I stepped out of my comfort zone a little bit, but I'm still alive. That didn't hurt so bad, right? And then God's going to ask you, for, for more and more things. And you're going to be okay with that trust level. I talk to friends and the stuff that I ride, I mean, I'm, I've been mountain biking since 93 and I ride most every day. So the stuff, the drops that I hit and the things, the trails I ride on, um, it's all relative, right? Like if I took a brand new rider down that stuff, uh, that would be stupid. It wouldn't, wouldn't be smart, right? But I've been doing it a long time. So it's relative, it's different. It's a different risk level for me and so so start out easy with the easy stuff don't just you know dive off and you're not used to saying yes to god on anything you're know, like okay i'm moving to africa you're know, missionary kind of thing start off trusting in little ways and let him grow you in that and then the promise is john 10, 10 which was my life verse when i was in high school and college the thief comes to steal kill and destroy but I've come to you to have life and have it to the full, and that's what I was all about, man. You know, let let me experience the full life. Um, but what's Jesus talking about when he's talking about you, you can experience life to the full? Um, I think two thousand years ago, I don't think he was defining it how most of Western civilization culture would define the the full life, the abundant life, right? Um, he's not talking about our house. Jesus was homeless, so he's not talking about a house. I don't think he's talking about what vehicle we drive. Uh, I don't think his donkey had heated seats, right? So he's not talking about what we're driving. What's he talking about? We talked about it earlier that he would give us peace. And can you imagine what life would be like if you truly had peace, real peace? What would that truly be like? You just didn't have to stress. You could trust. You could be like a sheep you could be like a tourist i mean you just show up you get in the boat and they take care of everything for you right and you're just along for the ride and you're just you're like what i get to experience this incredible adventure and somebody else is doing all the hard work for me man dream come true sign me up and so jesus is saying man i want to give you this life to the full life full of peace you don't have to stress these details. I got you. And so that's what Jesus wants for us. And that's why we put in the work of learning to listen and to obey. And then finally, and this is where the analogy breaks down, right? Because if we, uh, if we find that hidden powder stash, we don't, we don't want to tell anybody about that, right? We find that secret mountain biking trail, hiking trail that's not very well traveled. As Coloradans, if you're a real Coloradan, you kind of keep that on the down low, right? You don't tell everybody because next thing you know, they're going to be putting in a lift to your your secret powder run or paving a highway through where your mountain bike trail was, right? So we, as locals, we just kind of keep that to ourselves like, hey, don't tell anybody about that. What's opposite in this aspect? Leave a great review about your guide. So... Our faith was always meant to be personal, but never meant to be private. So, you're going through life. Jesus is helping you. He's showing you. I mean, your experiences are just phenomenal. Don't keep that to yourself. Share, share that with other people. There's, uh, there's not this scarcity mentality. God can handle it, all right? There's plenty there. So, that's the challenge. Learn, learn to listen and trust and be obedient and then tell others about it so so wrapping up today where are you maybe you haven't put you're you're like man i i don't know i I don't know a whole lot about jesus and you haven't put your trust your faith in him you haven't put your full your full trust your full faith in him and so that's okay but press into that read about him talk to other people about him Spend time with him. Learn what does that look like for you. Maybe a lot of us in this room, like a lot of you like me, we've put our faith and trust in Jesus. But man, working you know, to listen to him and to obey, uh, those are lifelong skills, right? Sometimes we're doing better than other times in our life. So work at that. Work on that active listening, you know, listening to God and then obeying so that you can be ready for when he invites you on some epic adventure, you're not gonna miss out. Don't miss out. You got one life here and God wants you to be able to live it to the full. Don't miss out, don't show up 50 pounds overweight. Put in your work and be ready for that. So we're gonna close and um, just, just want you to think about that, that analogy. Jesus is a really good guide, the best guide. Compared to him, we are a bunch of tourists. But, uh, but what's he calling you to? What's your next step? You need to, we talked about that, so I'm going to start repeating myself. But um, yeah, I'm going to close in prayer, and then Josiah is going to come walk us through that. God, thanks so much for today. And man, it, it is so wild to know that you want us to be able to experience life to the full. And like, like most tourists that show up here in Colorado this time of year, can't even begin to fathom everything that you have for us. So many good things. So God, just pray that you would just help us to take next steps, whatever that looks like. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.